Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Obedient, we are looking at why being rooted in Christ brings about the blessing of fruitful living. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. Well, good morning. Hope you make some time to uh, go down to ICOM, International Conference of Missions. Uh, for me, it's always fun. I'm going to go Thursday, and uh, typically I end up in the, uh, in the greeting area because I see everybody, friends, new and old, and it's just a great time of fellowship, but the uh, classes there, the exposure there that you're going to get to what God is doing in other parts of the world, I think would be really, really something that you might enjoy. So I go Thursday, but it's Friday, Saturday, so I know uh, those of you have to work and uh, have those kind of commitments. It might be difficult to go on a Thursday, but if you can make it, make it, and uh, take advantage of the uh, Mount Carmel Christian Church opportunity we paid for you so you can go and enjoy the ICOM. How's everyone this morning? It's been a crazy morning for us here at church. Um, <laughs> technology has been blowing up for us. And, uh, and when that happens, you know, we have to make a decision, right? When things are out of your control, you have to make a decision on the things that are under your control. And that, that relates to your attitude and to uh, how you approach it and, uh, and how things work with that. And so hopefully uh, your day, your morning has been a blessing. And I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you're here to be reminded that God is good. And God chose us to be his children and has assigned us as his children a ministry, an opportunity to serve. Talking about uh, ministry and opportunity, we're just so blessed to have so many talented people here. I haven't said this before, but isn't that tree awesome? I mean, that was handmade. Uh, yeah, give it a round of applause. That's pretty cool. I mean... We've got uh, Stacy and Maggie and Brian and our creative team with Barb and everyone else pull that together. Now, the reason why we chose the tree to capture this series is because we wanted to uh, understand that if we're going to have a life that's vibrant in God, if we're going to have a life that's, that's growing and, and flourishing, it's important that we recognize that growth is directly connected to the roots, right? If you don't have a good root system in a tree, the tree becomes vulnerable, the tree won't grow as it's supposed to. The tree won't flourish as it was intended. The tree will be open to be damaged and hurt. I mean, yesterday, did you hear that wind? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Shannon had uh, fall decor set up on the, on the porch. Fall decor was all over the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> I was looking out the back, and I'm like, I'm watching the trees get blown by it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I hope those things don't snap because they're right there by the power line. But they didn't. Why? Because they have strong roots. But we don't think about roots too much. Why? Because roots aren't visible. Roots aren't exciting. Root work is humble, mundane. Root work is, is stuff that, that doesn't get us all jazzed up and, and it's all, you know, woohoo. No, root work is stuff that is day-to-day inch by inch, moment by moment, getting up and getting into the grind and seeing it happen. You want to understand that being obedient to God, learning His Word, and living by His will requires strong root work. 
We all want our faith to flourish. We all want to experience the life that God gives us. Yes, we all want the leaves to be green and the fruit to be, to be multiplied. We all want to see the trunk grow up big and strong. We all want to see some measure of increase in God in our life. Well, we've got to understand, in order to have that, it's going to require root work. It's going to require the investment that forms the foundation, the stuff that's mundane, the stuff that's get up early in the morning to read my Bible, the stuff that's praying constantly even though you're not seeing results, the stuff that means being obedient to God's Word as you try to live by His will. Now, this entire series is founded on what's called in the Bible the pastoral epistles. We're going to dedicate this entire obedience session to the pastoral epistles. What are the pastoral epistles? The pastoral epistles are... 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Letters written by the Apostle Paul to two of his uh, apprentices, two men that he has given a charge to, he's given a commission to, to help establish church on his behalf. Timothy's in Ephesus, Titus is in Crete. And First and Second Timothy and Titus really helps us understand that if we want to be rooted in Jesus, we have to strive to be obedient. Particularly, we have to strive to be obedient to what Paul will describe as sound doctrine. The teachings that we've received from the apostles through the Holy Spirit that we then strive to apply to our life so that we can do the, the day-to-day root work that then produces the fruit of an abundant life promised in God. So we worked through 1 Timothy, and what we found out in 1 Timothy is the basic message is, is that, hey, Timothy and the church in Ephesus, stick to what you have been taught from the beginning. Stick to the Bible teachings that you have received from me, Paul. Stick to following the leadership of my man, Timothy, and the establishment of the healthy church. If you stick to living by sound doctrine, you will uh, have life. 1 Timothy is all about... Stay with sound doctrine so that you might experience sound living. Now we come to 2 Timothy, and 2 Timothy is a little different. We found out last week that 2 Timothy is written by Paul, and he's writing to Timothy, but the circumstances surrounding the writing is different. Paul is now in prison. Paul is in prison in Rome, likely facing eminent execution, which makes 2 Timothy probably, most likely, definitely, The last bit of writing we have from the Apostle Paul contained in our Bibles. And the basic message of 2 Timothy is what? Remember last week? Stay on target. Stay on target, right? In the face of the the, the impending challenge to your faith, in the face of, of the coming persecution, in the face of the reality that soon it's going to be very, very difficult for you to be a Christian and to live faithfully to God because the Roman authorities are now going to put pressure on those who claim Christ as Lord, stay faithful. Hold on to Jesus. In the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the struggle, don't let go of your faith. Remain faithful. Remain faithful, Timothy. Remain faithful, church at Ephesus. Remain faithful, Mount Carmel Christian Church. And so we discussed that in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And now we're going to talk about 1 Timothy chapter 2. In chapter 2, we have a turn after some introductory remarks, of course, from Paul in chapter 1, describing his situation. 2 Timothy 2 Paul gets really personal. 
Paul really gets personal with Timothy. This is heart talk. This is one man writing to another man, and the two men are very close, like father and son. Paul writes to Timothy what's important. You know, if you're facing the end, you're not messing around with stuff that's trivial, right? If you're facing imminent death, if you're facing uh, your last days on earth, you're not going to mess around with saying, eh, so how's your grandma and how's your... I mean, not that it's important, but, you know, you're not going to be talking about the weather or the Bengal score or the, the Reds or the World Series. No, you're going to go right to the heart of what's most important. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we have Paul getting right to the heart of what's most important. And the way we're going to do it is this. We're going to read the first three, and then we're going to read the last three verses of this chapter. Not saying that what's in the middle isn't important, but what I've come to discover is, you know, the beginning and the end, we contain the main themes of what Paul wants Timothy to understand. And so we're going to read chapters, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to jump down to the last three verses and uh, go through that. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to read through it once, and then I'm going to go back again, slow, verse by verse, and I'm going to try to unpack things for us so that we can get a great picture of what is important for us to understand, for us to live, to get some hard root work in being faithful to God in this world. So follow along with me. Chapter 2, verse Chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now we come to the landing point. Now we come to the, to the place where, where Paul's really trying to get to what he wants Timothy to understand. He says, the Lord's bondservant, or slave, the Lord's bondservant, in other words, you, Timothy, in other words, you and me who are Jesus followers, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. You can put in D.D. Bacon translation, grumpy, argumentative. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So let's do this again. All right, beginning of the beginning. That's always a good place to start beginning of the beginning, right? Okay. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So here we have Paul directly talking to Timothy, and he's, he's, he's leaning into that relationship, right? He calls him my son. And so we got Paul's heart here. He's pouring out to, to this guy who's really close to him. You, my son, he says, before that, he, he says, therefore, Therefore, you, my son, what's he talking about? What's the therefore refer to? Well, the therefore refers to what he's just said in chapter 1, describing his situation. I'm in prison as I've been arrested in prison, and I'm in Rome. Things haven't turned out well for me. I've kind of been abandoned. I'm all alone except for a couple of people that have stayed with me. In fact, Timothy, the sad thing is, is that people you and I both know have not only abandoned me because of this situation, but have abandoned their faith in Jesus which is worse, except for this dude, Onesiphorus. I just wanted to say the name, Onesiphorus. 
who has been a loyal supporter and done what he could to help me out. And then he says to, to Timothy, and, and I would like you to mark this. If you have in your bulletins, you want to circle this, because for me, this captures me, and I think this is getting to the heart of, of what Paul wants him to, Timothy to know and for us to know living for God in this world. He says, you be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean exactly? How do we be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Well, what is grace? Well, grace means gift. And when we talk about grace in terms of our Christian walk, what we're referring to is the entirety of what we celebrate in communion. God sent His only begotten Son into the world because of love so that He might die for those who are sinners, you and me, and if we believe and accept God's kind gift, that which we did not deserve, we are now then made right with God. We become children of God because of God's grace. God's grace refers to the fact that we who are Jesus followers have had a status change from being enemies of God to now becoming friends of God. From being people who are outside the family of God, destined for death, to people who are now children of God, who are given life. People who are unforgiven and deserving of the punishment of death to people who are forgiven and have had the punishment of death removed from us because Jesus took it on our behalf. And we now have life because Jesus rose from the dead. Grace refers to the status change that we have as Jesus followers through faith. But not only that, grace also refers to the life calling we've received because we're now children of God. I like to say it, and I'm going to say it again. We're not only children of God, we're also called to be involved in the family business. In other words, as children of God, God assigns each one of us who are His children with a family chore. That family chore comes alive when we start living by the gifts that God gives to us, when we start being obedient to the life calling He places on us, when we start serving in the name of Jesus, in the name of love, doing what God wants us to do in the circumstances that we find ourselves in life. And so grace not only refers to our status, it also refers to our calling. In order to be strong in our grace then, it means that we have to remain committed to understand our status in God. When difficulty comes, that's one of the first things we start to question. Is God mad at me? Have I done something that's done this and that? And, and, and you know, that may be appropriate to think about. But we also forget our calling. We stop serving. We stop wanting to be engaged. And he says, no, be strong in your identity and in your calling. Remain faithful in that. God loves us and gives us to love. We are valued and have value to give. And as Jesus followed, we have received grace and we can give grace. And it's this work that Paul says we have to be strong into. In the face of trial... Paul says to Timothy, keep investing yourself then in the faith of others. As a recipient of grace and as a grace giver, give yourself to what? The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul invested in Timothy 
He says, Timothy, you now invest in other faith-filled people, and they in turn would reach out and teach others, will invest in other faith-filled people, and the process will go on and on and on. This is the way in which we are grounded, we are rooted in our faith. This is the process of developing deep roots, holding on to the grace, and then investing in others what we have been given so that their faith may grow too. We always think of our faith in terms of the big, don't we? We think of life change in terms of the big and the spectacular. But you have to understand in scriptures, the way of God, the way of Jesus, the way of the apostles, the way of the church is this. You first go small. Go small. What does that mean? Well, that means that you seek to entrust the word of God in you in a few others. Love everybody, trust a few, paddle your own canoe. That's what my mom used to say, right? Trust a few. You know, there are a few in your life that God has brought into your life that are your God assignment to invest in. Who are they? Who's your small group of those who are faithful or faith-filled Who's God brought into your life to entrust your faith? The way God has called us to be rooted, to be grounded in obedience to him so we can have life is first to recognize it works when we go small. You go small and then you go strong. By strong, I'm referring to content. There's too much superficial stuff going on that we like to broker in, don't we? All the, the fluff of the world. The, the banter on Facebook and in talk radio and tweets and, and, and Instagram, all the fluff that we get into. And reality is, is that that doesn't produce anything. What produces real growth is when we invest in the strong. And by strong, I mean get to the nitty-gritty of living life. And Paul says, hey, invest and trust the faith. He's talking about strong. He's talking about, talking about living life with Christ. He's talking about personal living with those who are close to you, sharing your faith. Those who you go strong with or those that you go deep with, those you share your heart with, those you are up and close and personal that you live faith with. Go small, go strong, and then go slow. In order to have this process happen, we have to recognize... We can't rush through it. It can't happen quickly. It has to go slow. You know, growth in our faith and in this process as a church is a slow process. Why? Because if we want to go small and go strong, it has to go slow. You can't take a course in how to be a Christian over six weeks and at the end of the course get a certificate of completion and say, ha ha, I'm a mature Christian. I got my diploma. Don't work that way. It's not, bam, flash, you're all of a sudden a transformed child of God when you come out of the waters of baptism. It doesn't normally work that way. You have to go slow. And it takes time and commitment. See, root work is slow work. It's slow work. Inch by inch, moment by moment. 
Go small, go strong, go slow. It's the Jesus way. It's the apostle way. And it needs to be our way to follow Jesus today. But it's not easy. That's why Paul says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Being obedient to Jesus is hard. It requires courage. It requires determination. It requires stay on target. I've often said one of the spiritual gifts, well, it is listed in the, in the scriptures. It's, it's my favorite. It's called perseverance. Perseverance literally means remaining under. And, and, and think of Atlas carrying the world. That's the image of perseverance. And I think we forget that many times the foundation of being faithful to God and seeing God bring about the flourishing goodness of, of life is, is, is comes from, from sticking with it, staying under, remain faithful, even if it's hard. And so if you're struggling in your faith, it may be not because your faith is at fault. It may be it's just because you're living by faith. And it's tough. It takes work. First three verses, let's get into the last three. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Here's Paul's landing spot on his teaching, his commissioning to Timothy. Obviously, Timothy was dealing with people who were falling from, the, from their faith, who were struggling because of the opposition coming along, the circumstances surrounding what it meant to be a Christian. And Paul was saying, hey, as a servant of God, you have to operate in such a way where you help with gentleness those who are struggling towards making a commitment to stay faithful. And I look at this, and I read this, and I think, wow. What this tells me, that in order to be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus, this is how it looks. I am kind to all. I'm able to teach others. I'm able to be patient when I'm wronged and gentle when I'm correcting those who are on the other side of an issue who are struggling. And what I see here is being described as a person who through the growth that she's experienced in Christ is a person that Jesus said is salt. A person that leaves people who encounter her in her faith walk better off than when she first met them. Those she touches in life are made better. I think you know what I'm talking about. We all know people. And maybe the person we know is, looks at us in the mirror, but we all know people that leave a wake of destruction in their path. They're not a joy to work with. They're a drain. You have to psych yourself up in order to talk to them because you know it's going to be an hour of misery in the conversation, right? They complain, they criticize, they always have a reason to cut the joy out of everything. They're miserable and love to spread their misery. They don't feel, they drain. They don't listen, they only talk. And unfortunately, it seems to me, in this world of I, everything, iPhone and iMessage and I, 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 everything about me and everything about what I'm doing, we're producing more and more folks that tend to think more about themselves and are not able to be able to be productive in blessing others. We don't leave each other better off from our interactions with one another too often, do we? But as a Jesus follower, that needs to change. 
As a Jesus follower, with God working inside of you, with God transforming you from the inside out, from the fact that you recognize that I am a recipient of grace, that everything that I have is a gift from God, and I'm now living in a perspective that is, that is ground, that's characterized by thanksgiving and generosity. I'm living by a perspective that I am now a change agent from God, even though I feel worthless, even though I, I can say, wow, my pastor has been so bad, I don't know how God can use you. No, God will use you and is using you because it's called grace, and as a grace recipient, I'm now a grace giver, and I move from a person that it characterizes as a drain, but to a person now that is characterized as a blessing. She is salt that seasons, bringing out the best in others. He is light, being known for his good deeds, showing God working in his life. Those who are followers of Jesus, living by the words of Jesus, who said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Look, the gift of resurrected life in me and the gift of resurrected life in you, if you are a Jesus follower, is the impetus for giving life to others. How are we faithful and obedient to Jesus in our life? What's well, holding on to grace? Investing grace in others, going small. Uh, small may mean our spouse. Small means our children. Small means the small group of friends whom we really have a deep connection with, the people that God brings into our life. Small. Going strong. Recognizing that, that how we live has a consequence on others. And those who are closest to us, those who are closest to us, we need to be most intentional investing that which is most important to us, our faith, the eternity that God has placed within us by His Spirit. Those who are closest to us in our small are, are most affected by us, and they are our God assignment. And so we need to go strong with them because they're influenced. Going strong means to go in the way of Jesus, and it means going slow. It takes time. It's tough. We have to leave people better off knowing us than when we found them. Now think about that. So we're in a season of politics and the smut and ugliness is all over. On our TVs, the shouting and screaming is happening. The polarization of our country is occurring. And we're all wrestling with the same question, how can we be a better place? How can we be a better country? How can we be a better, better, better place that we can live? We're thinking about our future and we're thinking about making a difference and we're thinking about change. And ultimately, we are asking the same question, how can we be salt and light? And we have to understand this, that the way of God isn't to bring change to the world through political movement, through policy. The way of God isn't to bring change to our neighborhoods by laws imposed. The way of God isn't in the big. 
People on change because they come to a large group and in that moment they're changed for life. No, that's not the way. Those things have their place. But those things can only have their place when the real work of God occurs. And the real work of God occurs going small, going strong, going slow. Recent book, Phil Cook and Jonathan Bark were asked, some, were asked some significant questions. They said, why did the early church succeed where we are failing? How did they transform the Western world in such a relatively short time? The answer is that they did it because they did things that baffled the Romans. The early church didn't picket. They didn't boycott. They didn't gripe about what was going on in their culture. They just did things that astonished the Romans. They took in their abandoned babies. They helped their sick and wounded. They restored dignity to the slaves. They were willing to die for what they believed. Without confrontation, protest, or debate, love did its work. And I think this is what Jesus is getting at when he said, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Ever shake a can of pop for your friend to open it? I've never done that. Shake a can of pop and see what happens when you open it. Well, you know what happens. All over. Shaken down, pressed down, flowing into your lap. That's the image that Jesus uses to describe what happens in the life of the individual who gives themselves to God. Pressed down, shaken, and running over. Jesus said, if you've received the grace of God, if you've received mercy... And if you're a Jesus follower, that's what you claim. If you say, I've been forgiven by God, and that's what we celebrated when we took communion together, well, then you're like a can of pop that's been shaken up. And when you open up your heart to others, when you open up to that, to that small, to that strong, to that slow, what happens is an overflowing of what? Mercy and forgiveness and generosity. It just pours out of you, running over into your lap. You become a person who leaves people better off than when you first found them. You see, being rooted in Jesus produces fruit that's good to share with others. But it happens in the small, one person at a time. It happens when we're intentional to go strong. That is, we entrust and invest with intent what God has given us into them. Some of you are like, I'm not a Bible scholar, Didi. I don't know what. Share what you have. Give what you have been given. Go strong and go slow. Not hurrying over people, but intentionally and mindfully with patience and gentleness fulfilling your God assignment to do your part to form Christ in them. I have to confess, this is a hard sermon for me to preach because I'm not a patient person. Go figure. My nickname was Didi the Speedy. Let's do this. Let's get it done. When I have a problem, when I have a challenge, guess what I do? I attack. That's my nature. Let's get at it. Let's do a to-do list. Let's put a strategy together. Let's see what kind of goals we can meet to in order to achieve that. That's how God's wired me. 
That's why I do what I do. But of late, God has been saying, uh, you, need to, you need to go small, and you need to go strong, and you need to go slow, because that's my way. That's my way. You see, it's no point having the tree grow fast if the roots aren't deep. Because if you go fast and you don't do the slow root work, things are going to fall down. And now I believe that's the challenge for each one of us. We are serious here at Mount Carmel of bringing about change in the world. We're serious about serving our neighbor. We're serious about being a light to the community. We have a vision in which we say, you know what, we would like to be in a place in which if we were to go away, there would be a definite sense of loss in the community. We have this, this vision inside of us to say, you know what, we want to be the place that says that when the sociologist does a review and assessment of this part of the world, of this part of Cincinnati, they'll discover that, that it seems to me that, that divorce rates were down, crime rates were down. It was a place in which companies looked to get good workers, that schools were known for, for being excellent because of the community support. Abortion rates were down. People in general seemed to be the difference makers. And when they do that study, the prayer is that perhaps they will say, you know that little church called Mount Carmel Christian Church, that was part of that. A big reason for that. And how that's going to happen isn't going to be some wham-bam program. It's going to be the commitment of everyone here taking on the Jesus way of saying, we're going to stay faithful, going small, one person at a time, going strong, intentionally investing our faith in them, and going slow. That's the challenge. That's how we're rooted in our faith. That's how we see God work and bring about the fruit. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word, and we pray that your word may speak to us clearly. We might look at the example of Paul investing in Timothy, and we might look at the instruction given in 2 Timothy 2, and we might recognize that if we are your followers... And we want to see the life that you give. And we want to experience the promises that you promise. And we recognize the way in which that needs to happen. I'm sorry, Lord, that I tend to want to be quick and rush. I'm sorry, Lord, that um, place too much value on the big, perhaps, and not recognize that the way is to go small. Invest in people close, going strong, and walking with you, going slow. Because heart work, root work, takes time. Concentrated, intentional time. Help us all to recognize that. People that you've brought into our life that are under our sphere of influence, those whom we could identify as those we're called to invest and entrust our faith into. They might be our spouse. It would be our children, our grandchildren, our friends that have come into our lives, people that we engage in. Help us, Lord, to recognize that, that, that who they are, the small in our life, and to really recognize that what we're called to do to be difference makers is to invest in them salt and light with them. 
Lord, I pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.